This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 3100 Digital Autopilot provides increased safety, decreased pilot workload, and is approved for over 200 makes and models. To learn more about the STEC 3100, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. That's genesis-aerosystems.com. AOPA presents Never Again, True Pilot Stories from the World of General Aviation. In this episode, a Bonanza pilot discovers there's normal Chicago winter cold, and then there's popped door in winter cold. Find out what happens in Cold in the Cockpit by Henry Fiorentini. On a cold, clear New Year's Eve morning, I pulled my Bonanza out of its hangar at Chicago Executive Airport, Papa Whiskey Kilo. Though the forecast was calling for IFR by early afternoon, the 20-minute trip to my mechanic at nearby Lake in the Hills Airport, 3 Charlie Kilo, to schedule things at 9 a.m. was a piece of cake. With two or three hours remaining before IMC moved in, I departed 3 Charlie Kilo and decided to take the 11-minute detour to top off the tanks with cheaper fuel at Burlington Municipal Airport. The sky was thinly overcast at 6,000, and the 10-degree Fahrenheit temperature seemed a little chillier as the wind picked up at 8 to 10 knots. A previous experience one late fall night that grounded me at this same airport taught me that warm enough for the cockpit, a long sleeve shirt and maybe a light windbreaker, isn't sufficient if you have to stand outside for 20 minutes. I wore a long sleeve shirt, dual layer nylon jacket, and a vest. I even had a pair of light cotton gloves in the cockpit, although I could never imagine why I would use them. The runway at Burlington was visible as a white line of a different shade than the rest of the field, as it was not recently plowed since this morning's snow dusting. In my gump check, gas, undercarriage, mixture, prop, and flaps, I had already dropped the gear, verified three green, and deployed approach flaps. Then came the giant bang, followed immediately by turbulent rushing and very cold air into the cockpit, as the passenger side door popped open. My CFII had popped the door on takeoff the previous fall to demonstrate just how disorienting that is. At 100 knots, it's like a tornado and louder than anything. My first thought was, wow, okay, that's not so bad. I've done this before. Just land the plane. Never attempt to close the door in flight since the air pressure and flow make it a human impossibility. 
and can distract the pilot from flying the airplane and the bad consequences that come from not paying attention to flying. Aviate, navigate, communicate. Flying the airplane, maintaining altitude, and verifying that there was nothing else wrong took 10 to 20 seconds. Verifying that all the other gauges were reading properly, I returned to the simple task of completing the landing. But that wouldn't happen for almost 10 more minutes. 10 very long, very cold, very angst-ridden minutes. I had lost sight of the airport, let alone the runway. Cloud Ahoy position tracking software on my iPad later revealed that I had drifted away from the airport and lost my parallel tracking of the runway by almost a mile and 30 degrees. It was as if I were departing the pattern on a 45 on downwind, when I should have been turning base. I turned right to begin the base leg and discovered that while the Garmin 530 said, your little airplane icon and the airport dot are real close, that did little to help me track into the runway and my base leg. I had lost spatial orientation. Just flying into or over the middle of an airport is no way to land unless you're in a helicopter. I was just over 500 feet AGL, 90 knots, typical for base leg in this airplane, but no longer on a standard base leg. Aborting the immediate landing was obvious since I no longer had the airport in sight. And I was getting cold. There was wind in that cockpit, turbulent, swirling wind with no instructor in the right seat to block the stream of frigid air, nor to keep the seat back upright as the turbulence got behind the seat back and slammed it forward into the yoke. The frigid air turned my breath visible and my hands a bit numb on the controls that needed fine motor skills. So I drifted out of the pattern and decided to make a running start back toward the airport rather than to try to set up for a very short base-to-final leg at an airport that required a fair amount of effort to re-identify in the first place. Unfortunately, I did not have extended center lines activated on 4Flight Mobile on the iPad, nor on the Garmin 530, which it does automatically but only when you're really close to the airport. Lining the little plane icon toward the blue airport dot did not line me up with a runway, and I was again unable to find the snowy airport amongst the surrounding farmlands and tree patches. And with the crosswind, I could not just fly runway heading toward the airport. That amount of math I could not do in my head. What I was thinking about was to keep an eye on airspeed and altitude above all else. By this time, I was going on my third pass and was very, very cold. I could not keep this up much longer. I was able to quickly engage extended center lines and track up on the foreflight. I was almost three miles from the airport. Now I had a plan. Intercept the extended center line with the track vector stub and follow it in for a straight-in approach, bearing runway heading. That I could do so long as my extremities held up. It's difficult to describe just how debilitating it is to be in a minus 10 degree wind for about 10 minutes. I was effectively standing outside on a 10 degree day in a 5 to 7 mile per hour wind with no gloves and an open jacket. That I was technically inside a cockpit was of no significance or comfort to my hands or body.
Okay, I've got it now, I told myself, even though I was still two miles out and flying over trees that did not yet have anything vaguely resembling a runway on the other side of them. I still had to land this relatively new-to-me, high-performance, complex airplane on a snowy runway with a crosswind. That I was borderline shivering and had worked hard to make it even this far would get me no special treatment from the airplane, nor the physics of landing. Training came back to me. Landing checklist, gumpf. I verified the three green. Mixture still full rich. What's next? Flaps. One notch was still in, and I put in the second notch when I saw the white runway appear over the nose. Then prop full forward, airspeed, altitude, pitch, and power. The landing was pretty nice. The snow probably deserves credit for much of the touchdown softness. Gingerly, I slowed the airplane down, applying brakes as minimally as possible. Burlington traffic, Bonanza 5678, clear of runway 29er, Burlington were the nicest words I'd heard myself say all week. It would be simplistic to say the lesson I learned was just always double-check the door before takeoff. Wife, family, and passengers will close the door much of the time, and things happen, including pop doors. For me, this was a lesson in winter flying. Cold is your enemy, and a very formidable one at that. I did have gloves in the cockpit, and I was dressed adequately for extended cold weather, even if I wasn't zipped and bundled in the cockpit during flight. I was also prepared to use the technology I put in my cockpit, in this case the track vector stub on the Moving Map app, that allowed me to almost mindlessly turn my airplane onto the extended center line of the runway, thereby minimizing the concentration effort on navigate and more on Aviate. I will always be more prepared, mentally and physically, for exposure to cold when flying, even as I hope to never be in such a position again. The Never Again Podcast is brought to you by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You can find more Never Again stories online at aopa.org by typing Never Again into the search box. While you're there, check out FlyQ, AOPA's integrated flight planning software, as well as the many free online training and safety courses from the Air Safety Institute. Find all of this and more at aopa.org. The Never Again podcast is produced by Royce Earl. Thanks for listening. Fly safely.